Last week on Let's Talk Supply Chain, we put the spotlight on the very first episode of Thoughts and Coffee for 2024. And I was joined by my trade bestie, Audrey Ross, to take a look at the market as we take on a brand new year. We talked about the disruptions already making waves in 2024. You won't be surprised to hear that the Suez Canal came up in that discussion and the incredible high-tech wearables that can make the workplace a much safer place. We also dove into a topic that we cannot ignore, sustainable development goals, and we touched on the impact of export factoring. The show was crammed with plenty of insights and updates that you need to know. So I hope you enjoyed the show, but if you missed it, you can catch up over on letstalksupplychain.com, on our YouTube channel, or anywhere else that you subscribe to the show. It was episode 387. Let's Talk Supply Chain is not your average supply chain podcast. We feature not just the top of the industry, but also diverse voices from within the community, new innovations, and the disruptors making waves in the industry. Don't listen to the same old, same old. Be sparked by new ideas and fresh perspectives only on Let's Talk Supply Chain. When you're looking for cutting-edge resources on innovation and trends across supply chain, where do you go? What about when you're on a mission to find like-minded professionals and cultivate relationships that go beyond an emoji reaction? And what about when you're trying to generate leads, build campaigns, and get ahead of the game in the unique world of supply chain marketing? Supply Chain has been missing a single collaborative hub that brings people and ideas together in an environment that is safe yet stimulating for everyone until now. Just one platform that's as dynamic and innovative as you are. Welcome to the Secret Society of Supply Chain, a private network for the supply chain community. An industry first brought to you by supply chain media entrepreneur, Sarah Barnes Humphrey. The Secret Society of Supply Chain brings professionals of all backgrounds and experience levels together in the industry's largest dynamic network, focusing on industry learning and career development, as well as networking and community. The Secret Society of Supply Chain hosts all the content, connection, and creativity you need for supply chain success. But which group is for you? Well, head over to letstalksupplychain.com, find the Secret of Society banner, and take the quiz and join our waitlist. There are limited number of spots available, so make sure to get on that waitlist so that you are one of the first into the Secret Society of Supply Chain. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. Before we start the show, I have a question to whet your appetite. Today's guest is developing a sustainable international transportation technology that is going to change the game, with one of its many applications being tourism. But what percentage of the global population currently travels internationally? Well, if you believe my Instagram, it's 100%. But what do you think? Let me know your guess is over on social and keep listening because I'll let let you know at the end of the show. So today I'm joined by a brand that helps local businesses to become global in an increasingly interconnected and globalized world. It's an offering that so many businesses need, but who is it? And uh, just wait, because I will reveal it after the question of the week. So the question that we asked everybody jumping back into work mode makes me feel like dot, dot, dot. We had over 250 votes for this one. 32% of you said, when is the next holiday? 30% of you said, coffee, please. 24% of you said rediscovering my work 
groove. And 14% of you said juggling tasks like a pro. Bruce says Popeye. And Matthew says that he had like six birthdays between November, December, and January. And he's just so ready to get back to work. Well, thank you so much to everybody who weighed in on the question of the week. We like to have some fun. We like to ask you some supply chain questions. But what we really want is we want to bring the community together in discussion. And so come back to our Let's Talk Supply Chain LinkedIn or Instagram every single Wednesday as we ask a new question. We'd love to hear from you. So now back to today's episode and which exciting international trade and development consultancy is joining me today? Well, it's Win Global. Win Global provides practical tools, products, and training for international trading companies to help them rapidly grow their export and import businesses and follow their passion for global trade. And it's Igor, export and import consultant and co-founder at Win Global that is joining me for the show. With over 20 years experience, Igor consults organizations and coaches early stage businesses on international trade. And it was in facing challenges for those clients that Igor also came up with an innovative new idea. So today, Igor and I will be talking all about his incredible new innovation and the journey that led to its creation. We'll be diving into his drone ship project, the challenges and inefficiencies in international transportation, the untapped potential to be found in trade and in travel, and the huge impact that drone ship technology could have on global sustainability. So welcome to the show, Igor. How are you? Pretty good, pretty good, Sarah. Hi, and it's uh, great to see you again after after a brief period, I think yeah. we haven't seen each other, haven't been up, uh, and uh, yeah, I'm excited to be here and uh, share with the world uh, what I'm up to right now. Yes, I can't wait. I'm really looking forward to our chat today. Like you said, I think it was pre-COVID that we saw yeah. each other. Um, Fit was having a conference. We saw each other in person, but we really haven't been able to catch up since then. So this is kind of a catch up, but we're all, we're also talking about the amazing technology that you're creating and the potential that it has on a global scale, which just blows my mind. So let's dive right in because I have a lot of questions for you, but first let's start talking about you. Like give us an idea of who you are as a founder? What's your founder story, and how did you come to establish Win Global? Uh, so my founder story actually goes back to uh, about fourteen years ago, so, uh, where uh, I established Win Global as the uh, export import consulting firm and international trading firm. Uh, back then, uh, we've been importing exporting everything from medical devices to furniture, wow. uh, as well as I was helping um, other. Uh, companies in my network to uh, you know find new export markets, uh, establish their sourcing from the from abroad. And um, while I was doing it, um, I obviously ran into different challenges and issues with mm -hmm. global shipping. And my challenges weren't unique. It's pretty much everybody who ships uh, the product around the world uh, uh, runs into the same issues over and over again. And uh, apparently, there is no. Um, uh, there's no straight way out of this challenge. So mm -hmm. um, it triggered a thought process. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm a type of a person who uh, likes to put uh, different pieces of the puzzle together and really drill deep into the roots uh, of the issues. So um, I think uh, it took me about a decade or so to 
um, identify those uh, root causes of the issues and now offer this um, sustainable solution. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's been a while, um, but anyway, it's better late than never. So, <laughs> I'm now happy to 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 kind of present uh, present the solution to the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But before we get to that, we're going to talk a little bit more about when global and what you were talking about there. You sound exactly like a supply chain professional. I feel like we're we've been put on this earth to problem solve. Right. right. And that's what you've been right. doing for clients, right? That's what you've yeah, been doing exactly. for import and export clients. Um, and uh, it's really, really important. It's such a valuable service, right? Because importing and exporting, I mean, you hear about all the enterprise companies doing it, but then there's mm -hmm. a lot of really small to medium sized businesses that keep economies going that yeah. are, you know, <clears throat> importing and exporting on a global scale. And it's really important to local economies, global economies. And I'm just happy that they have somebody like you that can help them uh, do that. So let's just focus on Win Global for one minute. What do you do? How do you help your clients? And who are those clients that you consult with? So currently we're focused on uh, two key consulting solutions. Uh, one of them is the international extension. Mm -hmm. uh, where we help uh, our clients to find the new export markets and design custom strategies how to enter those markets. And our second solution is compliance, uh, international trade compliance. Um, this solution is typically required for uh, those uh, companies that have like very complex, uh, yeah, that have very complex requirements for their products. For example, food. Um, or uh, medical devices, uh, any type of healthcare products. So before um, entering a new market, uh, you have to go through a bunch of uh, compliance procedures. Your labeling has to match the requirements. And so we are uh, we, we, we are investigating those requirements for yeah. our clients. Uh, most recently, we, for example, uh, completed the project for um, the British dessert manufacturer. Okay. Uh, they were entering Canadian market and uh, we've investigated all the different um, uh, uh, labeling and uh, and compliance rules related to food importing in Canada. Yeah, so the C I've I've been down that CFIA route before, and it's a lot to do. Right, it is, it is sure, sure. Yeah, and supply chain professionals have a lot to deal with, or even business owners, entrepreneurs who have a small team. They have a lot of things that they have to think about and do on a day to day basis. And you want to make sure that when you are entering a new country, that you're doing it right, right? Mm -hmm. Like that yeah. is the, because otherwise it's going to cost you time. It's going to cost yeah. you money and it could exactly. cost you clients and revenue and success yep. and all sorts of different things. And I remember, you know, um, I, I remember doing a project or something and looking to bring some products into Canada and I know just for Canada, because of the English and the French labeling requirements, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, food in Canada has to have certain labels and then food in the U.S. have to have certain labels and food in Europe. Like it's very different by country. And you really, really, really need to know what you're doing if you're going to import and uh, export as well. And like I said, it could mean the difference between closing the doors of your business, you know, in six months because you didn't do it right or right, right. being successful in the market, um, even right down to some of the words that you use in marketing, like your marketing strategies when you mm -hmm. enter into a new market and things like mm -hmm. that. There are so many things to think about. So, And so who are those clients? Like, do you work <laughs> with small to medium-sized businesses? What does that look like? 
Well, I'd say it's a, a typically a medium to large size companies, okay. uh, typically manufacturers or food and beverage, um, or their representatives. We've been dealing with uh, several distributors, for example, you know, food brokers and uh, other types of representatives. Right. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Just to give everybody in the audience an idea of who they need to be to give you a call. So while you are dealing with the many varied challenges for international shipping clients, you came up with an idea and you you sort of gave us a glimpse into that a little bit earlier on, but you developed the drone ship project. Now give us an introduction before we dive deeper. What is this project all about? What's the objective? And, you know, we hear about drones. We're hearing more and more about yeah. drones being mm -hmm. used for delivery and things like that. And so, right, right. you know, I think people are getting used to it. But I remember only like, I think it was six or seven years ago when we originally started the podcast, my co-host was obsessed with drones and that's all he wanted to talk about. But we still haven't. Mm -hmm. I think we still haven't like crossed some sort of threshold that sort of everybody's using them, right? Well, yeah, you're right. You're right. It's not uh, it's not the mainstream technology as of today, but uh, the technology is developing. And uh, over those years, uh, <clears throat> over the years, the, the applications of you know unmanned uh, vehicles uh, in the supply chain uh, they are uh, they, they they are developing, and they, 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 there were there are many players in this. Um, in this exciting market, um, what's lacking though is that most of the startups they are focusing on uh, more of a last mile delivery, you know, okay. drone delivery to your home, that type of thing. And and it it it, it, it the problem is that uh, there are certain you know limitations as to how much you can uh, put in the air using just the electric power. Uh, so without going into the techno into the technological details uh, of the problems. Uh, what we are pursuing is um, is actually the uh, uh, is shipping the heavy cargo. So we're okay. not talking about uh, you know large uh, sorry last mile delivery dropping something to your backyard. Uh, we're talking about uh, moving uh, fully loaded containers across this across large distances. So uh, our ultimate goal is to develop the um, autonomous aircraft that's capable of shipping fully loaded containers mm -hmm. so if you imagine the airship or the giant balloon that can hook a container and carry it under its belly uh, now imagine that this thing can be autonomous you don't need a pilot you don't need a crew you don't need a bunch of you know maintenance people you can just pick it up at the point of origin and move it to the point of destination mm -hmm. you can also bypass uh, all the infrastructure and uh, the name, actually, the name, the, the name drone ship, actually comes from the blending of the uh, airships, the traditional airships that uh, they, they were around for uh, about hundred years. Uh, they are they are still around, but they aren't used that much. Right. Uh, so it's a blend between the concept of the airship mm -hmm. and the concept of a drone. So this is where the name comes from, and I think, I think this is the best illustration of what we're trying to achieve. Yeah, I mean, I have so many questions, <laughs> and I'm sure we're going to get to all of those <laughs> right now. So how did you get this project off the ground? Because the on the one hand, it feels almost kind of out there, right? Something from a right. sci-fi movie. But on the other hand, it really is the future, right? Technologies mm -hmm. like AI, autonomous ve vehicles, they're already here. And you have mm -hmm. a partner in the University of Toronto, and you secured funding 
from the Canadian government. How did you pitch this? How did you make an innovative idea into reality? Well, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you honestly, I procrastinated for a few years. <laughs> Don't <laughs> we reason, all? <laughs> yeah, we all. I know, I know. <laughs> Shame on us. But um, the reason I, I procrastinate is because um, my background is nowhere near the traditional tech startup founder. Uh, right. I got two degrees in business. I got professional certification. Um, I have uh, 20 years consulting experience in traditional industries. So I've never, never even worked for a tech startup. So uh, first of all, what I needed to do is to address that gap and um, get some sort of a framework or an idea how to develop a technological uh, right. idea. So uh, I went to study to a couple of incubators, uh, their starter programs, uh, which, which really helped. So they gave me at least the framework, like the step-by-step -step process, what I need to follow mm -hmm. uh, to make this vision a reality. And so the first step was actually to validate the feasibility of this technology, right? Uh, which is where I, uh, which is exactly what the University of Toronto helped me to do. So um, I contacted their uh, School of Aerospace Studies. They did the research and they uh, looked at our requirements. Um, they confirmed that it's feasible. So it's uh, they, they not only they confirmed that there is enough technology already to build something like this, they also confirmed that there is an economic feasibility. Which okay. we can talk about it later, but uh, that's that's kind of the major milestone that uh, kind of inspired me to continue yeah. the project because because if they were to tell me that oh, okay that that's a kind of fantasy it's not really gonna fly then I would have shut it down right because there's right. no reason to pursue something that has no technological or business value yeah. but uh, since they since they they are there and they they don't care like they they third party uh, reference point like they could say anything but uh, they found uh, that. The project is, tech, is is feasible from both technological and business perspective. So, uh, so then I decided to continue on, and uh, my next step was to design the prototype. Uh, this is the ongoing process. Uh, I worked with two aerospace engineers uh, who helped me to design the aircraft huh. uh, scale model, though not the full model. Um, and uh, we will also be working with now now with Centennial College to complete this prototype design. Amazing. So uh, when are you going to have the prototype ready so we can see it? Well, uh, hopefully by the fall of 2024. Okay. Awesome. And uh, of course, we won't be able to carry the full container. Uh, we'll probably be able to just carry one kilogram of payload. Uh, but again, this is just to uh, demonstrate the concept and kind of make sure that we uh, we can continue on this yeah. development. Yeah, absolutely. So talk to us about the technology itself, because we're not talking about a small drone delivering Amazon parcels, right? Mm -hmm. Like you said mm -hmm. that the first model will be able to carry at least one fully loaded 20-foot ocean container, yeah. which is amazing, but that's a lot of weight, first of exactly. all. Exactly, exactly. Um, 25 shots, 30%. Yeah, and I think we'll get into mm -hmm. the economies of that because that doesn't even begin to cover um, the costs and different things like that. But talk to us about the technology first. How does that work? Well, well so... Uh, let's say we have an issue, right? We have a heavy container and we have to lift it up. So there are only two ways to do it. Uh, the first way is to use massive amount of fossil fuel, mm -hmm. with, which we want to avoid as much right. as we can. Mm -hmm. And the second way is to compensate the weight with buoyant gas, such as uh, hydrogen or helium, right? There's no other way. So, And we are selecting the second way. Uh, we are just bringing up the uh, autonomousness to the picture. 
Um, and once the uh, once the container is up in the air uh, using the lift provided by Boeing Gas, uh, then uh, the automated uh, system kicks in, and then it basically drives the propellers drive uh, drive drive the uh, the aircraft towards the point of destination. Uh, we uh, envision this uh, uh, aircraft to be powered only by electric uh, motors, so we uh, we don't want to use any diesel or something mm-hmm. like that. Uh, so for this reason, we also expect uh, uh, that the aircraft will have a uh, solar panels to be able okay. to charge uh, batteries wow. while it's mm-hmm. uh, while it's still in flight. Of course, when it's a day daylight. Um, and then also uh, this aircraft, uh, of course, will be equipped with um, uh, a lot of artificial intelligence technology sensor and stuff like that, just because it's autonomous. So we don't have any pilot who can kind of look around. Right. Um, we definitely have to be able to adjust the route depending on weather conditions. Uh, we have to make sure that uh, uh, we avoid collisions with any objects uh, and other aircrafts. And we also have to make sure that the we have a safe uh, takeoff and landing when we are moving the container up and down, uh, and that nobody is like is under under the container. Right. So all of that, all of that requires um, uh, very sensitive technology and a lot of artificial intelligence. Uh, mm-hmm. And this is what uh, will be uh, integrated into the aircraft. And so, is somebody going to be standing there with a remote control? <laughs> like, how how does that ideally, work? Ideally, no. Ideally, we don't want that. Uh, but, uh, uh, but but who knows? You know. Uh, well, ideally, no. Ideally, we want it to be fully autonomous. Um, okay. Uh, of course, the way currently drones are operated, there's still an operator in the background mm-hmm. uh, who can intervene in case if something happens. Right. Uh, but again, the, this technology is also developing quite rapidly, mm-hmm. uh, and all the computing power is developing rapidly. So uh, hopefully, okay. by the time we have a, a full-scale uh, model developed, uh, uh, we wouldn't really need any body uh, to monitor the, the 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 operation or somebody with a remote control. Okay, so let's dive into the why. Right? What are some of the issues and challenges that international transportation that industry is facing, it's been facing. Why is this the, the solution? Well, uh, interesting enough, if you think of these challenges, um, actually not many things changed since uh, the times when, let's say, ancient Greeks uh, or Phoenicians were trading across Mediterranean because the, the majority of the issues that they experienced back then are exactly the same we're experiencing today. Okay. So, for example, uh, the limit, the limited number of trade routes, uh, the limited capacity uh, of the vessels, uh, mm-hmm. humans behind the wheel that make mistakes. So all of that uh, ends, all of that ends up ends up in nothing but the disruptions and delays. Right. And uh, besides any you know adverse weather conditions that you can't avoid, uh, if you say highways blocked or whatever, uh, geopolitical events like we have currently in the Red Sea uh, that impact uh, the supply chains. So all of those issues were uh, around for like 5,000 years at least. Mm -hmm. And we're still experiencing them today because fundamentally we didn't change the way we trade and we ship the goods. Interesting. Okay. Fundamentally, it's still the same, 
right? right. <laughs> it's just we have now different vessels, uh, different vehicles, but fundamental is the same. So um, uh, that's the one, uh, that's kind of one root cause that I was able to identify. Yeah. Uh, and the, these are the problems, these are all the problems that uh, we can solve if we have if we have an, uh, an autonomous airship that can uh, move the heavy load uh, because we can avoid infrastructure, we can avoid adverse weather conditions, we can avoid geopolitical issues. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then uh, on top of that, uh, if you compare us to ancient Greeks, uh, on top of those problems that they had, we also now have an emission problem mm-hmm. because every single uh, vessel, vehicle, Cargo airplanes, they emit enormous amount of emissions. Right. They, yeah, sorry, they emit enormous amount of greenhouse gas. Yes. So that's the problem that uh, our ancient, uh, ans- that our ancestors didn't have, but we do, and we have to deal with it. So we have to uh, really propose the alternative mm-hmm. solution. Uh, and besides uh, the entire industry, that it, it's not just, it's, it's not only about that uh, the entire transportation industry relies on. Um, emission uh, emits the greenhouse gases it relies on one single source of energy mm-hmm. and in in any you know adverse event if this source of energy becomes scarce we are at risk of pretty much shutting down the entire trade well yeah and we kind of saw that with the pandemic too right the exactly. pandemic kind of opened our mm-hmm. eyes we've also got some disruptions right now you know all across the globe panama canal with shortage of water you know, Red Sea, et cetera, et cetera. And so these things are coming up and you're right. We do need to look at alternative solutions. Otherwise we will be in the pandemic situation again. And, you know, people were paying 20, 30,000 to move a mm-hmm. container. I mean, we're going to get into the economics of this, but I mean, if there's alternatives um, where you're, you're able to get that container maybe faster than everybody else as well, Mm-hmm. I mean, there's some opportunities there. So let's talk about that. You know, if we can work to solve some of these key challenges, right? Because international trade has the potential to open up markets and revenue streams and really see businesses grow and gain traction. I mean, you and I are part of FIT, which is the Forum for International Trade Training. You know, we believe, right, the international <laughs> trade is the flow of business. It's the flow of energy. It's the collaboration. It's bringing the global markets together. So give us a taste of, of that untapped market potential. What does that look like? So uh, I agree with you, Sarah, and it's not uh, our belief. It's uh, it's the scientific fact. Uh, when you um, allow businesses to trade, when you allow more uh, businesses to um, access international markets, then the economy starts flourishing. And this is another goal that we are pursuing. So uh, this uh, innovative mean on transport- of transportation can also allow um, uh, the communities that were limited, uh, had limited capacity to trade, um, to start finally trading or expand their trade internationally. Uh, for example, remote communities or uh, any right. communities with limited infrastructure um, because there are a few areas where it's still impossible to, um, you know, establish the fixed infrastructure, you know, roads and you know, rail and highways. So uh, this this, this innovative mean on transport can also uh, make a huge impact on those communities. And in fact, there are some pioneering projects in Africa already uh, mm-hmm. with uh, the using airships to uh, actually supply their remote areas. So that's quite exciting. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So it's already in operation. 
Yeah, it is. It is. Yes. Maybe not uh, not as heavy though, so because they still cannot uh, uh, carry huge containers, but okay. uh, fully loaded containers. But uh, yeah, more small smaller payloads they can. And like you said, that's going to open up so many different markets to different people that weren't able to access before. I love that. And I think there's so many, so much opportunity here. Mm -hmm. So how will then, you know, drone ships start tackling those challenges and unlock that potential, right? How does your technology both address the present day transportation systems inefficiencies, and then also open up brand new markets of trade and travel for those who previously just simply couldn't afford it. And talk about the economics of this, right? Because mm -hmm. I'm kind of thinking like, it's only going to move one container, right. right? Where I think about an ocean vessel moving mm -hmm. hundreds of containers or tens of, you know. Yeah, yeah, a lot. <laughs> and so how efficient really is this? And who would you need to be to take advantage of something like this? Do you know what I mean from an economic mm -hmm. standpoint? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, of course. So uh, let's gonna break it down uh, into a few uh statements if you will so first of all um currently when you're shipping internationally and i mean mm -hmm. really across the oceans right you only have you only have two options right you mm -hmm. can either use uh fast and uh, um, expensive air uh cargo shipping or um uh relatively cheap and slow uh marine shipping right there's no there's no other option mm -hmm. uh what we're trying to achieve we're trying to offer a midpoint from both pricing perspective and delivery timeline uh, of course, uh, the airships will not be as fast as the airplanes. Mm -hmm. It's out of question. Right. It was, they will be faster, uh, but they, they will be faster than ships. So on the pricing point, uh, the price will be exactly in the middle between uh, shipping uh, shipping uh, cargo by the ocean uh, mm -hmm. or by the air. Right, so that's uh, that's what uh, that's what we're trying to achieve here, and this is what economics actually. When we did the economic feasibility study, um, this is what uh, uh, the study had proved that uh, this midpoint actually could provide um, could pro could increase mm, could increase interest from more companies to enter uh, to enter the trade, uh, just because right now they only have two extremes. Right, and this new. A new vehicle, uh, a new aircraft, uh, actually smooths those extremes hmm. and provides the you know extra incentive and opportunity for new entrants to start trading internationally. Just because the, the, the it, it it's still faster, it will be still faster to deliver by uh, the autonomous aircraft than yeah. by the ship, uh, and it will be just a little bit more expensive, but not as expensive as using the cargo huh. airplane. So then do you envision this, like, let's say it's a container from Shanghai to Toronto. Mm -hmm. yeah. Do you envision this actually moving it from manufacturer's door in Shanghai to door customer in Toronto? Exactly, exactly. And that's that's a great, okay. uh, actually, that's that's a great uh, illustration. Uh, the only reason why, uh, you know, we need cargo ships or cargo airplanes yeah. Is because um, again we do the same thing that uh, our ancestor did five thousand years ago. So we consolidate shipments in one location, yeah. load them into the vessel or ship or whatever mm -hmm. or airplane, and then move them to another location where we unload it and do the whole over again. So right. there's so much handling not, involved. I mean, it's handling, so handling is—it's not lean, right? We, we it's not, to, yeah. it's not. It's it's nowhere uh, optimum uh, from time and cost uh, and mm -hmm. kind of handling perspective. So. 
Uh, the only reason why we do it is because we're just used to it, so we keep doing it. But then if you can think of, uh, you're absolutely right. So yes, it could be from a manufacturer in Shanghai directly to, let's say, distribution center in Toronto um, or maybe another manufacturer. Uh, however, if you think of it, uh, not all factories are located in Shanghai, right? right? A factory could be located, I don't know, 40 kilometers away. Yeah, it's true. Time, it's right? true. I was just using yeah. that because I know, I know, I understand, I understand. But if you, yeah, no, no, fair enough, fair enough. But <laughs> then, if you really start digging into it, right, then you you realize that probably uh, uh, the, the only reason, the, the only reason why uh, you know, something comes uh, on a boat from Shanghai is because they consolidate everything. That's Shanghai, true. Right. Okay. Fair uh, point. So it's not really necessary to uh, have uh, the entire boat of uh, containers. Uh, from one point of origin, from one port to another, if you can just bypass it, right? If you can pick up a container in one, let's say, place, say, 100 kilometers off the shore near Shanghai, move it directly to Toronto, then move something from Toronto back to Asia, do some rounds in Asia, hook up another container, uh, let's say, in Hong Kong or close to Hong Kong, and then move it back to North America. So you're going to constantly fly... Uh, the containers, and uh, uh, you pretty much, you pretty much do the same as you know Lyft and Ubers do with people, right? right. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. When they, when they basically when the one, when one passenger leaves, uh, they in close proximity they have another passenger. So that's that's the huh. same thing that we wanted to achieve. So in, in the ideal world, in the ideal world, it always has to move. It always has to bring uh, the shipments. So, okay, I have so many questions. One question is what about takeoff and landing, right? Do we have to have a specialized, like if I'm thinking about a warehouse, right? I'm the customer mm -hmm. in Toronto and I'm waiting for yeah. this 20 foot container to come mm -hmm. by airplane, well, mm -hmm. kind of airplane, airship, drone ship, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Does it just like put it down on the ground or do I have to have a special runway for this thing? Does it like drop it? What is that? Well, it's a vertical takeoff and landing. Yeah, it's a, it will kind of be. Uh, it, it will land vertical. But it'll go vertical. It will go vertical. Yeah, yeah. So you don't have mm -hmm. to have any special, uh, you know, preparation for that, if you will. Okay. And then my other question is bandwidth in the air. So do we have mm -hmm. bandwidth in the air? Like, let's say, let's say, mm -hmm. okay, you get an order for five 20 foot containers from Shanghai to Toronto, mm -hmm. two different clients or three mm -hmm. different clients, five different clients, whoever. Right. Do we have enough bandwidth in the sky to be like um, piloting a drone ship with one container five times at the same time? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, well, as much as we know we do, because uh, the operating altitude of uh, uh, airships uh, is probably half of the airplane. So they, okay. uh, their operating altitude is five to six kilometers, okay. uh, whereas uh, the airplanes go as far as like 11 kilometers. So uh, first of all, there's no you know competition for, um, uh, for, for, for the airspace, okay. right? uh, which is important. Um, uh, and then uh, yeah, other than that, yeah, there are certain geographic limitations. As to like how exactly because of the operating altitude, like you cannot yeah. cross some of the mountain chains, for example. Right. Uh, but other than that, uh, other than that's pretty much uh, open sky for. This so it's problem. untapped sky until we get flying cars and people are like, you know, 
driving their cars. Uh, exactly. in the air. However, <laughs> I also don't think that. But we have to ask though, uh, what will be the altitude, uh, operating altitude for the flying cars? Because yeah, maybe yeah. it will be five kilometers. Like they really don't need to go uh, that huh. <laughs> that high up. So now, uh, like, maybe think about it. One kilometer would be enough for a flying car. So I think about it, right? I think land and cars. Mm -hmm. Then mm -hmm. I think the next layer is the flying yeah, cars. Exactly. Then the next layer is the drone mm -hmm. ship. And then the layer mm -hmm. after that are airplanes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. All right. Yeah, that's, that's exactly the case. We're going to get busy in the skies. I I, I think we're going to oh, yeah. get very, yeah. very I actually busy. heard one, uh, uh, interestingly, I've heard one, well, uh, one kind of complaint from the uh, gentleman from Switzerland. He said that uh, I live in a beautiful place uh, with great scenery and I don't want these things buzzing <laughs> in front of me. So <laughs> I, you know what? That's, I a, that's a great, have... that's a great point. And, and there's nothing I can do about it. So, <laughs> well, and I have problems with drones in general, just because um, everyday people running drones and it flying over your backyard, which is supposed to be a safe space for you. Mm -hmm. And it's mm -hmm. taking video and picture. Like I already mm -hmm. have trouble with that. I don't think, I mean, mm -hmm. obviously drone ship, you know, shouldn't be that problem. But <laughs> no. that, like, to me, drones operated by ordinary people, that really bothers me. But mm -hmm. let's get away exactly. from that. And let's mm -hmm. talk about an important topic, right? Sustainability. Because I think, you know, obviously, like you said, supply chain has one of the biggest environmental impacts. And on the whole, as an industry, we're struggling really to tackle it in some meaningful ways, right? We're not doing yes. enough. Mm -hmm. We're not doing it quickly enough. So what sure. is the impact mm -hmm. that drone ship technology will have on sustainability? Uh, well, you're actually right. Uh, sorry, not uh, not doing enough and not doing quickly enough. That's, that's mm -hmm. absolutely true. So um, if you look at the numbers, uh, different study say different different things but overall it's uh this the studies uh, show that uh the global transportation industry mm -hmm. is responsible for between 25 to 30 percent of global greenhouse gas emissions okay this is huge yeah. this is this is yeah. huge and we are doing some pro we're having some progress with uh you know replacing uh like regular uh these uh regular uh, cars with electric cars mm -hmm. uh but still there's way there's a lot of uh, room to grow and to improve. So, yeah, uh, our actually the, the goal of our project is to actually replace uh, most of the traditional fossil fuel-based transportation with mm -hmm. this technology. Mm -hmm. So that's what we are trying to achieve. This is our long-term goal. Probably won't be able to replace like all of them, of course. Right. Uh, but at least if we can replace uh, like half of the traditional, right. uh, you know, traditional vessels, traditional cargo airplanes, trucks. So we can remove at least half of it. It will be huge impact, huge decrease uh, in greenhouse uh, gas emissions. So uh, that's what we're trying to achieve. And also um, everybody talks about uh, uh, greenhouse gases, but very few people also talk about uh, chemicals that that going to need to be, you know, that, that, that go with the operations of those vehicles. So, like, mm -hmm. There are lots of like horrible uh, pictures of uh, um, ships dropping a bunch of chemicals in the middle of the ocean, right? Just because that's the way it is, right? Right. Um, and then we also want to avoid that. So we're going to preserve yeah, we the nature as much as possible. And by uh, using less chemicals uh, in the operation of this vehicle, we'll also make sure that uh, uh, this, 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 this aircraft will be sustainable solution for the environment in general, not just mm. uh, from the greenhouse gas emission perspective. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, we like to hear that because like you, like you said, it's big numbers, right? Even mm-hmm. if we could reduce it by even five to 10%, I mean, you're talking yep. about half, but even five yep. to 10% is a lot. So exactly. now give us a taste of the ways that people can use drone ship because we're talking about s- supply chain right now. We're talking about mm-hmm. transportation, but I think there's a lot of applications um, that drone ship can be used for. Can you share that with us? Well, yeah, it's, uh, it can be pretty much used for shipping anything that uh, you currently ship. Uh, however, um, however, the, uh, the the market of shipping goods is our primary market, uh, the yeah. one that we are targeting, because it's a massive market, it's growing market. Uh, mm-hmm. There are some estimates that it's currently $7.5 trillion size, mm-hmm. and it's always growing. Uh, you know, it's been growing since since our ancestors right, uh, started trading across Mediterranean, and, and it will still grow. Despite of some temporary issues that uh, we are going through as you know as a humankind, so uh, we'll still it will still be our number one market. Um, but if you also look at the uh, special applications uh, of the of the drone ship, um, you can you can find that uh, we can supply remote areas mm-hmm. with this technology uh, more efficiently and uh, more cost effectively than the traditional ways of supplying remote communities. Mm-hmm. Um, and mines as well, for example, remote mines, right? This is another application. Uh, currently, it takes a tremendous uh, amount of money and energy to supply those remote uh, you know, areas um, or mines. But with this technology, it can be much faster and, and cheaper and easier. Right. Um, and firefighting, also, firefighting, I think. Yeah, too. exactly. Firefighting, too. So pretty much anything that uh, is currently hazardous, right, uh, where you cannot really send a human, uh, such as disaster relief, such as firefighting. Yeah. Uh, Moving hazardous or radioactive material. How about that? Like it's also, uh, it's also a good application. Well, and that's um, top of mind for a lot of people, right? Because last year we a, a lot of people got affected by the wildfires in a exactly. variety of different mm-hmm. locations. Mm-hmm. Um, and my stepdaughter just uh, is a is just about to get into firefighting as well. So mm-hmm. love to hear that because again, you know, we want to make sure that we can reduce some of some of what's happening in the world mm-hmm. right now. So finally, then, what does the future hold for the jo- the drone ship project? And like, how can people? get involved right because i think like you said the prototype is going to be ready fall 2024 mm-hmm. um but what if people want to get involved before then what if they want to mm-hmm. be part of a use case what if they you know want to be part of this project as you get it off the ground well yeah that's absolutely right so with the uh, the the RD is going and it's going okay so i don't think uh, we need uh, any help in this regard uh, but uh, we're actually looking for partners for use cases. Uh, we are looking to, uh, you know, speak to uh, marine carriers, to cargo airlines, uh, to global logistic firms. Uh, wanted to build uh, to build the use cases with them uh, and make sure that uh, uh, they could be our partner in the future when we have a full scale prototype. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want to make sure that they can uh, partner with us uh, in a pilot project. So. Uh, definitely, um, if um, anyone from um, uh, from the global logistics firms uh, is listening to this podcast, uh, by all means, uh, let us know if you are interested in this technology and if we can collaborate with you to build um, uh, to build a business case. Because that's uh, number one priority aside from the uh, research and development that uh, we are pursuing. Uh, right. Now, on also on the fundraising side, uh, right now we are 
uh, raising just friend, friends and family around. So we are accept uh, all types of investments, but obviously right now, uh, right now it's too early for any major fundraising. So we only will be able to raise a, a seed round after our prototype is tested. Uh, and in the meantime, uh, we do accept uh, friends and family contributions. Mm-hmm. Contributions uh, they will be used for um, uh, to to speed up the R and D and uh, boost our marketing. So uh, on the investment side, we also uh, love to talk, um, and we all love to talk to uh, you know institutional investors, uh, venture companies early enough because it's never too early to start talking to them. So um, you know if you are interested in learning more about the technology. Um, but it's still too early for you to invest in. We still love to talk to you. Amazing, uh, amazing. And is there any anything else other than the prototype that you're working on this year for drone ship that we can, you know, expect to see from an innovation standpoint? Uh, no, I think it will still be our uh, focus uh, this yeah. year because yeah, that's that's what we need to accomplish you now to jump to the next step. I love that. Well, from a lack of options and dependency on fossil fuels to congestion, delays, and rising costs, the transportation industry is plagued with multiple challenges and inefficiencies. But DroneShip aims to change the game. As an infrastructure-independent, unmanned aerial vehicle, the technology will solve many of our current transportation challenges, as well as open up markets of trade and travel for the global population and make a big difference to the industry's sustainability goals at the same time. So if you want more information, you can check them out at winglobal.ca forward slash drone ship. And did you have a guess at today's big question? Well, at the top of the show, I asked you what percentage of the global population currently travels internationally? Well, according to IATA and the World Tourism Organization, it's only 10 to 15%. That's lower than I would have thought, but 85 to 90% of the global population could travel if the ticket price was more affordable. So all of those wanting to travel more, you may also want to look out for drone ship as well. Well, thank you so much, Igor, for coming on the show and sharing your perspective, sharing what you're working on, the innovation that's just about to hit the industry. I love it. I cannot wait to see what you do. So thanks so much for coming on the show today. Thank you so much, sir. Pleasure. And uh, keep in touch. Did you know that the average cost of losing an hourly supply chain worker has reached $19,607? And that recent research shows that 77% of hourly supply chain workers are considering a job change in the next three months. This could have a huge impact on your productivity, bottom line, and culture. Workstep is helping supply chain companies to better engage their distributed hourly workforce at scale. Understand the true reasons behind their workforce turnover and take actions to make positive changes and reduce attrition. Workstep has successfully helped many companies reduce their frontline worker turnover by up to 36%. Visit workstep.com to learn more. If you would like to hear more from us, we have plenty more content for you featuring the best and the brightest in the industry. Head over to letstalksupplychain.com to check out the latest. Now, if you have a supply chain challenge and you're looking for a solution, we've most likely had them on the show. So head over to the search bar on letstalksupplychain.com. All of that content will come up once you put the keyword in. 
And our podcasts really dive into these solutions and who their ideal client is, real life examples of how they help customers so that you can really figure out whether they're they're the right fit for you. And remember to come back next week for this month's episode of our Women in Supply Chain series. I'm going to be joined by multi-talented Karmit Glick, CEO board member 2023 Pro to Know and advocate of digital transformation. And I'm really excited for this conversation. Karmit has worked in huge companies and small ones. She's traveled all over the world. So I'm going to be asking her all about her incredible life and career. She'll be telling me about that journey, swapping the corporate world for startups, leveling the playing field for SMEs, and why she's so passionate about digital transformation in supply chain. You're not going to want to miss this one. So I'll definitely see you next week. And if you would like to support the show, there's a few ways that you can do that. Follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, and TikTok. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, Let's Talk Supply Chain, and subscribe to our newsletter over at letstalksupplychain.com. You can also find some really cool merch over at letstalksupplychain.com in our shop. And it's not just for supply chainers in your life, entrepreneurs, leaders. We've got some inspirational messages. So head over there and check it out. Plus, if you're looking for community, if you're looking to network virtually with like-minded individuals and get that community support, have that community engagement conversation, maybe learn best practices directly from industry experts where you weren't, you won't hear it from anywhere else. Well, we've got a group for you. We started the Secret Society of Supply Chain, and we did three groups so that we could cover everybody in the community. So the Supply Chainers is exclusive content. It's a great place to network with peers, but also learn best practices that you won't hear in public. And then we've got the Woman in Supply Chain monthly meetup for professional and personal development that you are not going to get anywhere else. And then third, we've got a monthly meetup for marketing professionals in supply chain called the Creative Room. And you're going to be hearing from potential clients. You're going to be hearing from marketing experts. And we really, really want you to scale up what you're doing in marketing in 2024. So head over to letstalksupplychain.com and join the Secret Society of Supply Chain today. And remember, if you want to be featured on an upcoming episode, head over to Apple Podcasts and rate and review the show. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening. And remember, ship happens.